Larynx ladies and goiter guys. Lose no lacrimation for your lack of leprosy. Cleanse the keratin from your cankle. And doctor, doctor, isn't there anything you can do for him? I'm afraid not, miss. You see, it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back. I am Owen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are feckless moms. And this, my cold posterior thermometers, is Talk Tall to Me. A recrudescence in the operating theater of prog rock, in which Nocturia Nick and Olfactory Omen will order tests on and develop prognoses for each and every track that radiological rock band Jethro Tull have ever discharged from their collective thorax. And none of the procedures we perform will be covered by your insurance. For our UK listeners, that's, that's a hilarious joke here in the United States. And also sad. Yeah. We will passionately palpate Dave Pegg's palpebra, measure the metabolism of Martin Barr's mastoid, and we will diagnose Stone Perry with dependence on dorsal diverticula. And if we can release the musical pressure with a claghorn catheter, re-coordinate the coccyx, and get cutesy with our cuspids, we may be able to revivify that fallopian flautist, the bruxist of Blackpool, the cerebellum of Skye, a man who can never have a heart attack, because you need a heart for that. Ian Adrenal Glands Anderson. <laughs> that was really good. That was a good one. I had fun with that one. What's a palpabra? A palpebra? Uh, yeah, it is a word that I found. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That I will now look up. I mean, I could have looked it up. It's an eyelid. Oh, huh. Mm. Interesting. The old palpebra. Silly names for body parts. Silly Latin names that you just don't need. Speaking of body parts, Ooh. Nick McGill, what are we listening to tonight with our tympanic films? Our oracular cones? Yes. Tonight, today, this afternoon, this morning, and this evening. Forever. We are forever talking about Doctor to My Disease. Ooh, this is track eight off of Catfish Rising. Track eight, basically the eighth track that we're discussing in terms of what fell where and who and when is uh, is all a mystery to me. So let's see, number six, this would be, looks like no fancy, no special staff here. The personnel is the standard. Bog standard musicians and Nick, I'm going to prescribe us a listen through of this song. I'm going to take one and then I'll call you in four and a half minutes. The perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nick McGill, question for you. Yes. How much do you enjoy going to the doctor? I guess it depends on the doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Shoulder doctor? Yes, because that's getting fixed. 
A head doctor, yes. Dentist, mm, no. GP, mm-hmm. not so much. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people have mixed feelings about going to the doctor. And yeah. they either have mixed feelings or distinctly negative feelings. Right. Particularly white boomer men of upstate New York just don't go to the doctor. Yeah, and I think that probably men in general across a lot of different demographics and countries, more so perhaps than women. Yeah. Although there are plenty of women who refuse to go see the doctor. But yeah, I, I, I think that of Ian's generation, and we'll talk maybe more about this in the, in the second half, but I do think that there, this song resonates on one level at least because no one really likes to go and see the doctor and get their... <laughs> get sticks stuck down their throat and prodded and poked and weighed and all kinds of things. Yeah. But before we get there, let's talk about this song musically. Powerhouse. It is very electric guitar forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Martin will talk more about the ins and outs of what he's doing, but he is playing a little freely, I feel like. Okay. You know, within the structure. Yeah. It's 4-4. It reminds me a little bit especially the way it starts out of Steel Monkey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It has that kind of like... Here we go, electric guitar. Also like This Is Not Love. I mean, a similar kind of like, rather than easing into it, it comes out of the gate really Mm -hmm. strong. It knocks you over, it tramples you, stands on your kidney. It comes in strong, but it's technically an intro. You get like the briefest intro and then it jumps in after that. Yeah. Very funky, very raucous. Right out of the gate, it tells us exactly what to expect. And it does not fail in its fulfillment of that. No, it, no, come rain or snow nor sleet or hail, it fulfills its promises. That it does. Dave Peggy, Mr. Peggy. Bass. Is playing a really funny bass line that I love. It sort of is going. For some reason, it reminds me of where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. I, I don't know why. Very strange. I don't even know if it's musically similar. Yeah. But something about that, like... His bass is very... Very prominent in this one. I did not have to look far to hear it. No, no. It's right there. Sometimes it's pairing up and playing in in unison with Martin, with the Mm -hmm. guitar, backing up his lines. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's doing its own thing, that kind of like really up and down chasing feeling. Mm -hmm. We have the synth coming in and out on an organ setting. I caught that specifically in the, the big breakdown when we get that drop out at 216 for the briefest of seconds, and then we go into that crazy, funky, funky, funky 
set of solos with flute, then guitar, then a second yeah. guitar, question mark? I'm not sure. It's got just a slightly different tone, mm. the second half of the guitar portion. I love those solos because I think I'm amending what I formerly said. They sound unstructured in a way. They sound free, but there is a very distinct structure to them for the first eight measures or 16 measures, whatever it is. Ian is playing the flute mm -hmm. and he's playing the phrases. And then Martin is kind of jumping in and backing him up interstitially. Mm -hmm. Ian says, flute, 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 flute. And Martin responds, but do ba and then at a certain point, they switch mm -hmm. and Martin takes the lead and Ian is backing him up on the flute. It's a beautiful structure. Yeah, they work very well together. It's very clear. Yeah. There's some of that happening in the verses as well with Martin filling in the spaces between the lines mm. or hyping up in between the lines yeah. of, the, of the verse. I believe there's a slight reverb on Ian's voice here. The slightest just barely a reverb there, but I think there's just enough of a like a little delay or an echo in there on his voice when he sings. Did you clock him as being doubled up? Double voices? Yep. Well, I've got that from wind me up. Well, you can wind me up all the way down to there's no issue playing doctor to my disease. So the bulk of the second verse, there's a double up. I think it's just off enough that it could possibly be somebody else. I think it's Ian. But it's not clear enough to hear another, to really differentiate the tone, whether it is or is not Ian. I think toward the end of the song, it gets a little bit more differentiated. Mm, There's okay. one part toward the end where the backing vocal goes up pretty high while the primary voice is staying on the standard tune. But there's one thing I should tell you To which you must agree It's no use you playing doctor to my disease Interesting structure of the song if you look at the lyrics as well because the what I would call the verses are little quatrains. I've been treated for mild depression, I've been treated for growing pains, I've been treated for hallucinations, now I can see it all coming again. And then the whole next five line longer portion is a bit of the chorus because that has the repeated elements. Yeah. Well, you can wind me up, you can slow me down, etc. Yes, we've got mini stanza, big chorus, mini stanza, big chorus, mini stanza, big chorus. Yeah. With a instrumental breakdown, 
between two and three, I think. Yeah, I think so. Probably where, where it usually falls with Tull. There's a great moment. I think it might be coming out of that solo where we have a not quite a full drop, but we have it's right at three minutes mm. where it starts. Okay. Where everything pulls back and the drum and the bass are only hitting on the two and the four of the measure. So it's like. Yeah, I see it in the wave file. It drops down and then it's yeah. like shot, 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 shot. And then it picks back up again. Yeah. It's such a nice detail when you have a song like this that is so rock forward, that is so electric, so driving, you need those little moments just here and there. There are only a couple of them in this song, but you need them to be able to appreciate the rest of it. And it's very effective. Yeah. For a four and a half minute song, there's a lot that can get muddy, but it's all still very clear. They make some really good decisions in here to break things up. Some stuff that it's not... I mean, granted, we're, we fairly regularly see the break between the second and the third verses. But other than that, there's not a whole lot that's like, oh, this is this is tall by the book. Mm. The only tall by the book is that it's it's erratic and you kind of don't know what to expect. Erratic and erotic. And erotic. Speaking of erotic, we get plenty of nanny go in this. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yep. yep. Great time. Loving it on this album. It is a lot of fun. It's a little silly, but it's a lot of fun. I love whatever decision, whatever in Ian's life, physically, mentally, spiritually, that has driven him to use this often enough on this album. I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. And that's a great point. We don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. In my imagination, it was just a discovery that one day he was singing and he was like, oh, I, did, oh, <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it was just the necessity of, well, I mean, he's still singing really high. So it's not something about him worrying about like, oh, well, I have to adjust my voice here. I can't imagine that it is better for your voice to go. Yeah than it is to go a single clear tone. No, I was just thinking in the sense that maybe that's where his exploration came from with like variations oh, on what to do be. to maybe try to alleviate some of the stress, but he's all over the place. All over the place. Push that knife around. Push that knife around. Yeah, I, we have a, a very clear one on the, um, there are a couple of yeahs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Goats Ian, yeah. I love it. He can knock me off a bridge any day. Yeah, more than happy. I will try to cross his bridge, and whether he lets me or not, I don't care. Who comes clip clopping? Oh my God, it's Ian Anderson. Oh shit. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, zipping right through, ignoring that middle portion. We have had no correspondence from last week to this, which is fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually nice for us to have a break. Yeah, I could not sleep for the, the amount of notifications of emails pouring into the mailbox. Ravens tapping at our window. That's actually my wife just tapping at the window. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't let her in yet. What? That's probably... You should let her in. <laughs> she forgot her keys. If you're cold, she's cold. That's Bring it. Bring your wife inside. That's, right. That's it. Good call. 
Oh my gosh, I saw a raccoon on my back porch and it moved too quickly for me to pet it. <laughs> it also had a flick knife. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Went away on a little motor scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Left you in the dust. Nick, let's talk about Dr. Demi Disease, the lyrics sure. of the song by Jethro Tull. Yes, let us do that. Before we dive in, let's take the phrase playing doctor. Yes, I'm glad you covered that because that I think that is that is certainly something that we need to consider with this idea being presented to us with a doctor to my disease. What comes to mind when you hear the phrase playing doctor? Well, I mean, isn't it that old, like, it's not an adage, it's not a wives tale, but it's that old thing of like kids playing doctor is when they start touching each other's naughty bits, not even being aware of the sure. taboo about it. You know, they're just like existing right. as humans. Actually, that's a great way of thinking about it because I, I had think I had thought about it. I had thunk about it. You did thunk. In two separate spheres. One was when kids play, they either play dinosaurs, cops and robbers, house, or doctor. Mm -hmm. It's one of the games. And it's mm -hmm. a fun game because you can be like, oh, you're sick. Great. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to whack you with a hammer until you feel better. There's a really good Bluey episode from, I think, season one. I was going to bring that up, yeah. How can I help? I need to see the doctor. Oh, yes, I'm sure we can squeeze you in tightly. Great. Now, what's wrong with you today? Nothing. I'm fine. Honey, playing doctors, you have to make up something wrong with you. Oh, yes, of course. What do you think should be wrong with me? It's up to you. Um, what if... I bump my meat. <laughs> ah, I need to see the doctor. Ugh, there's a crocodile on my head. Are you sure you haven't been attacked by a giraffe or something? Um, no. Because that would be a real pickle. I was hanging out the washing and my arms fell off. And I got bitten by seven scorpions. I accidentally ate a hippopotamus. And now when I burp, I burp out baby hippopotamuses. Burp! It's a great game. It's a great game to play. Mm. And then the other side of it was more the adult, like, mm, yeah. play doctor. Mm. Diagnose me. Turn your head and cough. I've got a thermometer that needs to go into your mouth. <laughs> you, you have severely high blood pressure. <laughs> you are dehydrated. <laughs> your HMO covers nothing. <laughs> Out of pocket, baby. <laughs> But you're totally right. You're totally right. When kids play doctor, I think that formatively, it is a way to explore your own body and other people's bodies. Yeah. It's like really pre-sexual. I think adults oh, sexualize yes. that play yeah. way, 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 way more, yeah. more. There's such a taboo that like, oh my God, what have they done? You know, when it's just yeah. like, there's nothing there behind it, but playing and curiosity. Right. Yeah. You're like, mom, I didn't go to eight years of baby doctor school for you to pull me out of here. I was just about to make partner. <laughs> In a private practice. That's impressive. That's really I, impressive. Yeah. yeah. I just, I had my own parking spot <laughs> for my tricycle. Anyway. So yes, both of those things are implied here. I think there is a, a playfulness and perhaps a slightly a potential sexual connotation. Yeah. I think- 
I think we've got euphemism here, for sure. There's also the implication of you aren't a doctor, you are playing a doctor, mm. which makes you a quack. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You're not qualified. Yeah. What year was, was this album released? 91? 91. Okay. So this was at the height of the era of psychobabble. Oh, sure. Right. Kind of armchair psychology. Mm -hmm. There was more access to ideas and books and therapy was kind of getting a little bit more popular and the language of psychology started finding its way into popular vernacular. So I can imagine a lot of people were giving each other unsolicited pseudo-medical, pseudo-psychological advice. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure that happens regularly now as well. Of course. Gwyneth Paltrow, cough, cough. Right, but at this point, there was a little bit of a new language yeah, yeah. So probably more in the liberal fields of people who go to doctors and and will go to doctors that are not your standard, like this is a GP doctor, people who are willing sure. to explore various types of medicine or not medicine in some cases. Quackery. Quackery. That they will pick these things up and then it will spread. Oh, that person got his taint bleached. I should get my taint bleached. Hmm. <laughs> it really worked for his asthma, they say. I have asthma. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> Before we do jump into lyrics, no. I just wanted to say you you were saying it's slightly euphemistic, slightly just like Dr. E. I think it's more, presumably it's a she, it doesn't have to be. She's the cause of the disease and the disease is love. And you can't do anything about that because I am in love with you. Yes. Okay. Thank you for cutting through all of the nonsense that we were spouting earlier Yes, that cuts, I think, to the heart of what the song is about, yeah. ultimately. Yeah, okay. It's instead of physician heal thyself, it's you can't heal a wound with the same knife that caused it. Or you can say physician heal thyself just as Zap Brannigan, and it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> physician heal thyself. <laughs> Jaunty pose. So, I've been treated for mild depression, and I've been treated for growing pains. I've been treated for mild depression, and I've been treated for growing pains. Both very common things one can be treated for. I've been treated for hallucinations. Now I can see it all coming again. I've been treated for hallucinations, and I can see it all coming again. Love it. Yeah. I, hey, I've already been to all the doctors. I've already had everything diagnosed right. possibly that could go wrong. Yeah. And I can see this. Quite possibly hypochondriac. Mm. I also do like the pairing of hallucination and see it all coming again, because is he yeah. seeing a hallucination? Right, totally. Yeah, that, that's, that's always how I've read it. Yeah. That it's a bit of a play on words. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can wind me up, you can slow me down, you can dig a little, and you can mess me around. But you can wind me up. Yeah, you can slow me down. You can dig a little. Yeah, you can mess me around. To wind someone up is to get them aggravated mm -hmm. on purpose. It also, to me, because of that slow me down, it also feels like two different types of medication, almost, uppers and downers. Uppers and downers. Yeah. Yeah, which you should always take at the same time. That evens it right out. I'm sure, I'm sure I've told you this, probably on this podcast, probably five times, but there was a guy at Sarah Lawrence that we all called Stoner Mike. <laughs> Sounds vaguely familiar. 
And one time I was hanging out outside one of the dorms and he came staggering around the corner looking in worse shape than usual. And we were like, oh, I was a freshman. We were like, oh, Stoner Mike, are you okay, man? And he was like, I just drank a whole bottle of NyQuil. <sighs> and we were like, dude, that's not, that's not good for you. You know, you really, you really should be careful with that. You shouldn't do it. He's like, no, it's fine because I also just drank a whole bottle of Dayquil. Oh. <laughs> Wandered off into the night. Oh my gosh. Could practically hear his liver screaming. Is he still alive? I don't know. I haven't kept up. You missed out on a, on a good opportunity there. Uh, only medical science knows for sure. Yeah, he is a, a medical anomaly. But there's one thing I should tell you, to which you must agree. There's no use you playing doctor to my disease. But there's one thing I should tell you, to which you must agree. There's no use you playing doctor to my disease. It's really interesting. The chorus is structured like, yeah, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You can piss me off, you can rile me up, you can draw me into some kind of protracted situation but you're never going to cure me. You're never going to change who I am. Yeah. And why? Because you are not the doctor to my disease. Well, here's where I think it really gets interesting. I, I love your interpretation that, look, you are the one causing this effect on me mm -hmm. and therefore you are unqualified to treat it. Yeah, right. You're only going to make it worse. It's either a conflict of interest First of all, or you're <laughs> yeah. just, you just can't, you just can't. Yeah. A part of me just realized though, like maybe this is an instance of you can't fix me. Like I am damaged goods. You want to come in and fix me. You can't do that. You're not qualified to make me a better human being or get over my mommy issues or whatever, you know? That's valid. The way I always interpreted it was whatever you view as being quote unquote wrong with me, whatever disease mm. that you are perceiving in me, mm -hmm. that is fundamental to my nature. Sure. And you can't change it. Yeah. You can't doctor it out of me. You can't cure me of my individuality. Yeah. So all of your attempts, all they're going to do is piss me off. But no matter what you do, you're never going to change who I am as a person. Right. It'll solidify those things even more. Yeah, which I mean, it's amazing it, on the face of it. It seems like a, such a simple song, but really the interpretations skew wildly in a lot of different directions. It could be a love song. Mm. It could be a I ain't changing for nobody yeah. song, or it could be something in the middle. Or I'm very ill. I need to see medical <laughs> <laughs> professionals and you're not one. Yeah. Yeah. Please take me to the nearest hospital. I'm a Reiki level one practitioner. <laughs> You're not the doctor to my disease. That's great. Can you drive me to the emergency room? <laughs> There's bone sticking out of my body. <laughs> so now we have the second verse, which I think provides us with the most evidence for your original theory. Yeah. I got no cure for this condition that you've been causing me tonight. I've got no cure for this condition that you've been causing me tonight. You are causing me a condition. Well, you put my heart in overdrive, hand me the bullet I must bite. Well, you put my heart in overdrive, hand me the bullet I must bite. 
Okay, little bit of mixing metaphors, but we'll allow it because it's Ian. Right. What is overdrive? Just going fast, going strong, going uh, harder than it ought to. Yeah, I think it's used typically to refer to a car engine. Putting something, putting a car engine in overdrive is revving it beyond kind of its safe limit, mm-hmm. which is okay for short periods of time. <laughs> Are you telling yourself that, Omen? I'm telling my Fiat that so it doesn't break down. Or you could put a guitar into overdrive, which makes it distort. Mm, okay. Hand me the bullet I must bite. Now, this is a very interesting reference. To bite the bullet is an aphorism to just like deal with it, suck it up and, and do what needs to be done. Yes. But where does it come from? It comes from surgery. F- Civil War? Do they have an actual date? That era, I think yeah. it predates that a little bit. Okay. I think it may have been originally from England, but it, it relates to a practice. So oh, yeah. the idea of biting a bullet was that at a certain point they had no anesthesia. And so to perform a surgery, one of the things you had to do was give the patient something to bite onto so that they, A, wouldn't crack their own teeth by gritting them together, or B, wouldn't swallow their own tongue. Yeah. So sometimes it was a stick that you'd put in their mouth. Yeah, you'll see that a lot in like movies and and TV shows. Right. In the 1982-ish Treasure Island starring Christian Bale as Jim Hawkins. Oh, wow. There's a scene where Dr. Livesey is uh, operating on somebody because they've been shot and they give him a, they give him a lead bullet to bite onto because it's, it's soft. It's soft enough where Mm. you can bite it Mm -hmm. and it provides that resistance without cracking your teeth. Yeah. Same thing with, it's not a bullet, it's a stick, but in Braveheart, I believe Brendan Gleeson's Scottish dad gets an arrow shot into him and then they, they take a hot poker and stick it in him, but he's, Right. He bites onto a stick and then he gets up and immediately punches the guy who used the used the hot iron on him. Oh, he like chases right, after right, him right. And, and punches him out. Everybody was scared to do it because he's such a formidable old dude. Right. So when you take it together, well, you put my heart in overdrive, hand me the bullet I must bite. Again, mixed metaphor. But it's sort of like you caused this problem and now you're telling me that you're going to fix it. No, no. The most you can do is give me a bullet to bite. That's it. <laughs> Maybe you can right. offer, offer a little support. Give me a stick. Give me your hand to hold on to. Yeah. Oh, I hurt you? Here, bite this bullet while I make it worse. <laughs> yes, right. Let me pour salt in the wound. Yeah. That'll help. Let me push the knife around. I mean, that's that, we, we get that with the, this next chorus here. Yeah. Yeah. You can stir me up and you can cut me down. Oof. You can stir me up and you can cut me down. I love all the phrases, you know, in here. It's all emotional. It, it almost reminds me of like a, a, a volatile relationship. It's very evocative. You can see every single step of this. You can see it in a like medical sense, you know, yeah, of like an operation or something along those lines. But you can also see it. You can stir me up. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, but you can also <laughs> see it as a relationship. You're right. Yeah. Nurse, do you mind stirring the patient slowly? I have to go check on the other patient. Clockwise, clockwise. Make sure it doesn't burn. (laughs) Take it off the heat if you need to. Just needs to be caramelized. You can probe a little, push that knife around. You can probe a little, push that knife around. That's certainly medical. Yeah. So I, I guess this pair of lines is... The relationship portion and then the medical portion. 
And there's an overlap as well. Yeah. You know, even twist the knife right. is a colloquial phrase to really cause someone pain. Yeah, rub it in. Yeah. Salt in the wound. Yeah. Why don't you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon in it? <sighs> paper cuts. That's from The Princess Bride. Oh. And then we go back to a car metaphor. After the no use you playing doctor to my disease yep. a couple of times, then next teeny tiny verse. Do you have to break my engine so you can fix it up again? Tuned to crazy imperfection just to score me out of 10. Do you have to break my engine so you can fix it up again? Tuned to crazy imperfection just to score me out of 10. Very interesting. So, you know, going back to the the car idea, it's like driving a car too hard and too fast, not taking care of it properly, causes it to break down. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that to a car to just fix it and then do it again? Why not drive it nicerly in the first place? Home and said. Well, I'll tell you why, because it's so fun <laughs> to go fast. And my car is designed to do that. Yes, but how many times have you had to take it into the shop because you couldn't run it anymore? Only once. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I only blew the I only blew a cylinder one time. Hello? Toy toy toy. Yeah. <laughs> you did the braking, but you also want to fix me. Right. You are responsible for this. And why do you want to fix me? So that you can break me again. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm dependent upon you. Tuned to crazy imperfection. That's a very interesting phrase. So tuning of course, we know in the musical sense, but you can also tune the engine of a vehicle. Right, a tune-up. A tune-up. Yeah. I like a tune-up sandwich. For people really... Tune-up tune up fish <laughs> sandwich. I never eat them in public. For people who get very heavily into modding their cars out and stuff like that, they will go to special tuners who say, oh yeah, I can get you 8% more efficiency and, and power out of your engine by tuning it. The, the engine whisperer. Yeah. yeah. So this idea of tuned to crazy imperfection. It's like, you want to put me so on edge that you get this kind of performance out of me that I know is going to wreck me. Yeah. And then you're going to judge me on my mental breakdown. Just to score me out of 10, how bad was it? I gave you a 10 for weeping in the tub for three hours, then eating ice cream for the next three hours after that. Yeah. Let's do it again next week. Yeah. That was yeah. great fun. I'll be back. It's interesting. So- with all of this, do we feel like the singer is a willing participant in this cycle? I was just thinking about that. To me, it feels begrudging. It's like, I can't quit you. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Was that Brokeback Mountain? I can't quit you? It was Brokeback Mountain, yes. I wish I knew how to quit you. Yeah, it feels a little bit like... Yeah, I know this whole song and dance, mm -hmm. and I'm okay going through it, as long as you're not under the impression that you're actually helping me. As long as we both know what's going on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Like, don't give yourself more credit than you deserve. You drive me crazy. Right. I'm tuned to crazy imperfection because of you. Yes, I will give you full credit for that. I'm going to break down tonight and also next Thursday. Yeah, but you don't do anything about it. You are the instigator and nothing more. The catalyst. The cattle. Lies. A list of cattle. <laughs> you are the catalytic converter. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like 
yeah, hurt me. Go ahead and hurt me. But just don't think that you're actually helping me. Let's have no illusions about this. Right, exactly. Exactly. The you in this, the addressee in this, clearly is under that illusion. Whether it's conscious or not, you know, are they intentionally driving him crazy to do this? Or is it just the way the relationship works? You know, we've both been in relationships where, in hindsight, it's like, why would you put a scorpion and a tarantula in the same cage? It makes no right. sense. And then strap them to my face. Why did you do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't an, an allegory about the two people no, in the no. relationship. <laughs> it was an actual incident from your relationship. Yeah. It's a police report. Yeah. <laughs> this whole song reminds me a little bit, kind of where we're going with it, reminds me of a chapter in Walden by Thoreau. Thoreau? A Thoreau inspection of Walden will mm-hmm. bring you to this chapter. He's talking about people always came and visited him in the woods. And, and Oh, yeah. And he's saying that some of them were perfectly fine and just wanted to come and check out his cottage, and he was happy to make them a little corn pudding. But sometimes they would be do-gooders, and he always was like living in fear of the do-gooders coming. Mm-hmm. There's this whole chapter about like, oh, Lord, protect me from your followers who think they're going to do good to me. Yeah. And the idea that you can go and do good to someone he sort of he sort of puts the line to that whole notion that like mm-hmm. the best thing you could possibly do for someone is to leave them alone. Yeah, right. Why do you think I'm out here? Right. So whatever you think that you're doing that's good for a person, first, did they ask for that? Did they want it? And second, are you like, no, you can't play a doctor to their disease. Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit. It's maybe a little off topic, but. You know, Alan Watts, he was a 1960s sort of transcendentalist Buddhist Mm -hmm. speaker. He has this whole lecture about the the impossibility of self-improvement. He said, because, you know, in the 60s, there are all these self-improvement books coming out. He said, okay, you want to improve yourself. But do you not see the problem? Because you have recognized that you need improving. Mm-hmm. You are imperfect. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So how could you fix anything? Because you already are imperfect. So how how do you know that the fixing that you're going to do isn't itself imperfect? Mm-hmm. So stop trying to f- improve yourself <laughs> because the person doing the improving is not qualified. What if that's this song? What if he's addressing himself? Oh, wait, go on. I wind myself up. I slow myself down. I dig a little and mess around. Like I sit and oh. I I stew about things and I get worked up over things that don't need to. Ostensibly, I cannot fix myself. Oh my gosh, that's... I love it. We found the fourth interpretation of this song. He's looking in the mirror. This is his mirror moment. Stop trying to talk yourself into being perfect. Yeah. Stop trying to cure yourself. Just let yourself be diseased. Yeah. And is it really a disease at all? Right. It is. It's, exactly. it's hepatitis, yeah. It is. It's <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have licked that bathroom stall. Do not. Don't do that. 
I love that interpretation. And and that's actually help. I mean, that's actually useful. Like how many times do we beat ourselves up when really what we should do is embrace our faults and say, and be kind to ourselves. Yeah. Right. Maybe have some chocolate. My therapist is, is always like, you're not someone who is defined by this. You have moments where you are this. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And that's a helpful way of thinking about things that, you know, any experience that you have is temporary. Right. Just by virtue of recognizing that state, even if it's after the fact, is progress. Yeah. And what's not helpful is stewing on it and saying, oh, I really messed that up. I yeah. need to change myself so I never make a mistake ever again. Yeah. 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 That way lies madness. Yeah. Tuned to crazy imperfection. Yeah, exactly. Putting yourself into overdrive and then crashing it. Yeah. And then saying, well, I'm going to fix myself now. Yeah. How could you fix yourself? You caused it. Yeah. This may be manic depression, honestly. That might be what this is. Well, let's not play doctor to the song's disease. No, indeed. Let us not. It's actually an ingrown toenail. Oh, that's it? He just gets really upset about it. Wow. Okay. He wrote a whole song about it. It's crazy. Is there subtext in there that you, you, where you got that from? No, the next song is called A Bowl Full of Salt Water. And so I, I, put, I put the pieces together. Gotcha. Epsom salt in parentheses. <laughs> the Epsom salt song. Yeah. It's an instrumental. <laughs> the Epsom salt jig. The Epsom salt jig. McGill. Oh, man. What are we going to pick up from the pharmacy next week? This is one of the fun songs that I have very fond memories of you and Me I too. talking about. Yes. It is yes. like a tall, thin girl. And I mean girl. Oh, it is. Yeah, that was a staple. That, And I mean blank was a staple in, in our yeah. high school career, I think, for a while. Yeah. Until next week, you can dig more than a little on our Patreon Discord chat, where you can find all manner of wonderful community members chatting about Jethro Tull, talking about prog rock, chatting about their lives, uh, and really just reveling in the complicity of the love of Jethro Tull. As they say, laughter is the best medicine. And if you need more laughter, when you do subscribe to that Patreon, you will get access to two additional episodes, a feckless and an outtake told to me each month. Yes. You know what puts my heart into overdrive, though? What does, Nick? Just the prospect of seeing a five-star rating and review on any podcatcher of choice. So please fill that prescription for me. There's no use you not going to our Tee Public page and ordering a Talk Tell to Me branded t-shirt because you should do that. There is some use in doing that. Until next week, <laughs> I am currently being treated for mild depression, Nick McGill. 
I am the bullet you must bite, Omen Thomas said. We are the mild hallucinations for which you ought to be treated, the feckless momes. And let's fix it up again next week. It's Talk Tell to Me. Side effects of listening to Talk Tell to Me may include addiction, cauliflower ear, broccoli nose, altitude sickness, engorged uvula, athlete's hand, idiopathy, fragility of the duodenum, quackery, the shakes, the mobs, the heebie-jeebies, status dramaticus, rabbit's nest, potato finger, the funk, beaver fever, Reaganomics, nether vermin, pain in the pump, shortening of the trouser cuffs, reminiscence, and an inability to enjoy the Rolling Stones. Talk Tell to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.